1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life.
2: Eight of the top 10 Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish Life. We
1: are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from The Irish Times. On this week's show, we'll look at the issue of gender diversity within financial services, following new research from the Central Bank. Ed Sibley, Director of Credit Institutions at the Central Bank, explains why we're poor at diversity and how this is a cause of concern to the regulator. Later in the show, we look at the introduction of Apple Pay into the Irish market. Mae McMahon of Ulster Bank tells me why this could mark another step along the road towards a cashless society. Don't forget, you can download the Business Podcast for free from iTunes and you'll also find it on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. But we'll start with gender diversity in financial services. Now, today is International Women's Day, and it seems appropriate that the Central Bank of Ireland should publish a report on gender diversity within the financial services sector. The results are something of a mixed bag, and here to discuss the findings with me is Ed Sibley, the Director of Credit Institutions at the Central Bank. Uh, Ed, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, Your study looks at fitness and probity applications from firms uh, between 2012 and 2016, and as I say, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but it shows that just twenty percent of the applications were actually for women, uh, albeit that that rose during the period from sixteen percent to twenty two percent last year. So is that good,
3: bad, or indifferent in your opinion? Uh, well, I mean th- th- thank you for, for having me today. Um, I-, I think it it reflects actually quite a, quite a, quite a poor picture. Um, the, the level of diversity within uh, the financial financial services sector in in, in Ireland is, is is relatively low. Um, uh, the, the the figures themselves reflect the the, the flow of applications rather than uh, the actual picture as today. But I think the flow is reflective of what what, what we see today, um, and that does cause us concern. Um, it's uh, it's. Uh, reflective of a, of, a, of a poor circumstance with um, hmm. uh, low com- levels of gender diversity. How do we compare to other countries? Let's let's take other eurozone countries for example. I, I think we're the first central bank to publish this this level of granularity of data. There there is uh, data regarding board uh, uh, diversity, um, and uh, the data I've seen, which is published by the thirty percent club, Island, would compare p- relatively poorly. Uh, with other developed nations, Um, but we don't have this level of granularity to compare elsewhere. Okay. And the UK? Or US? Uh, at a board level, again, we would com- we would I think compare compare relatively poorly. I, I don't have it at the level uh, below, and I think that's re- okay. it's really important that it's not just mm. about the board; it's also about the, the the senior management, executive as well. Which I think why this data is yeah. Important
1: it's interesting, sure. isn't it? Because my understanding is that the the European Central Bank is big on diversity at the minute. This is going to be a big uh, focus for them in terms of the culture within banks going forward. Uh, so it's curious that we haven't had more research like this um, to
3: date. In
1: you know, across the eurozone. Uh,
3: well, I, I think that the there is more and more focus in 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 this area. Um, I think we've a lot of research is focused on the headline numbers, um, and we might get into why why that's why why diversity is important. But um, the the level of granularity that, that mm. we published uh, or publishing, um, I don't think has been replicated else, elsewhere. And I, it's really interesting in terms of looking at some of the. The, the mix between front line and what we'd call kind of seconds and third lines. So those that are driving revenue within within financial services and those that are on the kind of the risk and control side. Where um, and those at the, the the very front line would typically the, the, the imbalance would be even greater.
1: Yeah, and it varies across sectors as well. I mean, for example, it's eighteen uh, percent uh, in asset management, twenty nine percent for credit unions, perhaps. That's not a surprise. Credit unions very much located in the community, and so perhaps um, that's the reason why w-
3: women are more to the fore in those organisations. Yeah, that's, prob- that's, that's, that's probably the case. I, I think that there's a, there's a v- very clear daylight between the credit unions and other, uh, every other sector.
1: Mm. Um, very few chief executives seem to be women. Um, just looking at you, if we take the, the board-level figures yes. um, that you produced, the Office of Chief Executive, we're only looking at 12% uh, female participation. I mean, it probably shouldn't surprise us because we'll, when you look around the banks, when we think of big banks or insurance companies, it's, it's, it's mostly males running yes. them. There are a few exceptions. But it's very
3: low, isn't it? I, I think so. And I, I, um, I, I, the, the, the data itself is only focusing on, on, mm. on gender. But if you, if you think about it more broadly, so ethnicity, disability, uh, and and so on i think that uh, the 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 view would be dissimilar or or, or or worse so i think it is very low and i think it, do, it does matter um uh the, the diversity is 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 important we've done a lot of work since the financial crisis across across the globe to shore up balance sheets to uh rewrite r- rule books to make sure that they're kind of proper governance arrangements in 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 place but the the, the, the effectiveness of those arrangements, the behavior and culture in firms, um, is is more difficult to, to, to legislate and regulate for. And there's a lot of evidence that, um, that diversity and inclusion, effective diversity and inclusion, can, can play a really important role in, in, in improving those areas. So what does diversity mean to you? So I take a, a, a pretty broad view of it, um, it goes w- w- well beyond g- gender for me, um, so I touched on already, so gender, ethnicity, religion, uh, educational bias, there's identity factors and there's also behavioural factors, so how people think, how people engage. Introverts, extroverts. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that type of thing and the, the really important aspect, um, and we're thinking about this internally within the central bank, for ourselves as well as as a regulator, um, is the inclusion bit, so not only do you kind of have more diversity within organisations, but how do you include those Different points of views and those different backgrounds to to really make the organisations effective, um, and that that I think is a kind of a key focus for me.
1: So, how are we going to change this? How are we? How, how are you as a regulator going to influence um, the firms that you regulate to promote more diversity within their organisations?
3: So, I think we're taking an, an important step today uh, with the, the publication of the data. I, I think, I genuinely, think it's it's quite stark. Um, uh, and that publication that the kind of raising awareness I think is, is, is really is really important, raising awareness that it matters to the regulator I hope will, will, will drive some some, some action we 've also looked at a sample of diversity policies so the, the larger firms, insurance companies the banks and, and some other firms are required by legislation and regulation to have diversity policies um, but there 's no uh, underlying guidance or requirements as to what 's in them. Um, so when we've looked at them, I think we've been pretty disappointed with the level of ambition. them. So we're, we're, we're looking at what's there um, and feeding back to the firms on that. We also don't want to normalize the bad practices. Um, so we are trying to highlight that there are firms out there who have a much better um, uh, uh, mix of diversity in, in those firms and a much more ambition in terms of their diversity policies. So there's an awareness piece. Um, We're working uh, already, we have done done reviews on things like behaviour and culture, that's an area that uh, we're focusing more on and that kind of is aligned to or connected with diversity. Um, and also thinking about things from a from a construct, of, uh, uh the, the makeup of boards, the makeup of I, I, uh, executive management teams. Again, for the bigger organisations, um, and rather than necessarily just purely looking at an individual application, thinking about how how the board works um, effectively across all its all its constituent parts. What would be a good
1: level of gender diversity at a financial firm? And I appreciate it. It sort of probably differs sector by sector uh, within financial services. But what would be, generally speaking, what would be a good level of diversity within financial services? Do you
3: think gender diversity? So the the research suggests that you, can, you get to some sort of critical mass at around thirty um, uh, I'd, percent. I'd I'd be reluctant to go too far down that r- r- road today. I, I'd. I'd um, because uh, we, we then get into a discussion around around quotas. What, what I'd really really like to see is that there, it's being taken seriously by the, the regulated financial firms, um, uh, and they are being ambitious in terms of what they what they're looking to achieve. It's, it, it, it matters in terms of from a, from a central bank perspective, from financial stability and consumer protection outcome uh, outcomes. And uh, I think there's more to be
1: done. And have you any sense of how much of this lack of representation, gender representation, shall we say? Is down to the firms a bit of a bias on behalf of the firms, or it might be down
3: to perhaps uh, not enough women putting themselves forward uh, for these positions? So I can't I can't speculate uh, too too much on that. What we the data that we see is only relating to the the applications that come from the firms themselves once they've decided who the best candidate is. So it doesn't talk to the the, mm. the level of applications for for from from different genders uh, into. To the, to the advertiser role itself. Um, there's, there's lot lots and lots of reasons, some, some societal, some within the individual organisation itself. Um, and without getting too much into gender stereotyping, there are some, some factors there as well. Um, uh, we're looking at it ourselves. so um, And again, broader than gender. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about um, the culture within the
1: central bank, if you like, and, and the gender diversity promoted within the central bank. Because uh, I was looking at your website a little earlier and your leadership team I see twelve men, six women. Um, not bad, I guess. And the commission, which is effectively, it's akin to your board yes. of directors. Uh, eight men, three women. So that's about twenty five percent representation for women.
3: So, so I think we've got we start from a, a a reasonably strong base. So if we look at it from uh, the kind of at senior leadership level and including the including the board, um, we're just around thirty percent. So about about a third. Um, and then if the, the level below that, what I would call senior management, so the heads of division, so they typically have kind of 40 or 50 people reporting into them, it's about 40, 40% women. So it, I think we're, we're, we're quite good. We've got a, a really strong women's network. Uh, we're members of the 30% club. We're, we're signed up to a diversity charter. So there's lots of things that we can, I think we can be pretty proud of, um, but that's not to be complacent at all. Um, the, the, the reasons or the diversity and in, inclusion is important from a regulated firm perspective apply to us as well. I think we've also got more of a kind of moral imperative in terms of being representative of the demographics of Ireland. Um, and and that, I think, kind of feeds into uh, one of our strong ambitions to be trusted by the public. So uh, I think we, we do need to do more. Question, what, why isn't that a 50% at the, at the leadership level? Because mm, women are I mean, yeah, roughly and, 50% of the population. Right? E- exactly, and certainly 50% of the workforce in, in the central bank. So we have more more to do. We have lots of work that we're doing um, both at a leadership level also to, to build grassroots and we're also thinking about it from a nudging and process perspective. So for instance, how do we recruit? How do we advertise? How do we treat people when they come in? Um, how are we almost unconsciously excluding certain certain parts of the population and what more can we can do to encourage people from different different parts of of the country different um from different backgrounds to apply to to apply and and work successfully in the central bank yeah and has the interview process changed as a result of some of this work so we're at very early stages um uh, and one of the things that we're thinking about right now is 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 that so that that from from Advertising through application, through uh, CV, sift through interview. How can we t- how can we turn the dial a bit? How can we nudge? I don't I don't think there's a there's a fundamental issue there, but ha- how can we improve and be better at what we do to make sure that we're. Uh, we're, we're getting talent from from, from all parts of of the, of the country and all different backgrounds.
1: Okay, and, and finally, Ed, I should ask you. I mean, Cyril Roux uh, is the head of financial regulation within central bank. He's also a uh, Frenchman, deputy governor, yes. and he's just announced his decision to step down for, for uh, from the role and to take up a new, a new position elsewhere. Um, so there's an opportunity now there, a gap, uh, if you like, in the in the management uh, structure within the central bank. Uh, would, that, would that interest you? Would that position interest you? And you're not an Irish native, so that would be perfect for
3: meeting <laughs> diversity goals. Uh, I couldn't possibly comment on that. What I would say is I'm focused on, on doing my job, which I'm actually in for a relatively short amount of time at this stage. So I'm I'm very committed to the working in the central bank. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic place to work in. Um, I think we do a really important work. It's endlessly interesting. Um, and I really enjoy it and I'm very committed to that Alright, Ed Sibley thank you for joining us Thank you
1: We'll take a short break now and return with a review of Apple Pay and its introduction into Ireland back in a few moments Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement
2: Irish Life is changing that with Empower a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future For more go to IrishLifeEmpower.ie or talk to your pension consultant We know Irish Life We are Irish Life Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
3: All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015.
1: Now, welcome back. Uh, This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Let me just remind you that you can download this podcast for free from iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. For this segment of the show, I'm joined in studio by Kira O'Brien, technology reporter with The Irish Times, and by Maeve McMahon, the head of customer experience and products with Ulster Bank. And they're here to discuss the introduction of Apple Pay into Ireland. Kira, we might start with you first, perhaps you could just explain the whole concept of Apple Pay and also how it's going to apply in Ireland for consumers.
4: Basically, what Apple Pay is, it's a way of using your phone to pay for goods and services in stores. So instead of having a contactless card, you can just pay through your phone. There's there's some advantages to using Apple Pay over your regular contactless card. First of all, with a card, you're usually limited to around Um, €30. After that, you have to insert the card, put in your PIN. With Apple Pay, the banks aren't actually imposing any limits on it because there's extra security measures in place. It's basically the way Apple is pitching is that it's it's safe, it's secure, and it's fast. So you can walk up to a terminal, you take out your phone, you double-click on the home button, you literally just hold it up, and it's all done in seconds. And the idea is that your card number never passes to the retailer. So there's that extra element of security. You are never going to... the. the the does Apple have your get? bank details? No, basically it's all encrypted from start to finish. Um, when you set up Apple Pay, which takes about two minutes to do, you can you input your card details, it's encrypted and it's sent off. Basically, Apple can never see your payment details as such. What you have on your phone, it's not stored on your phone, it's not stored to iCloud servers, it's not backed up anywhere. What you have on your phone is actually a device-specific number. So it's if you're using an iPhone 6, it's specific to that particular iPhone. If you're using an iPhone 7, there'll be a different number on that iPhone 7. So it's very easy if your phone is lost or stolen it's very easy to block Apple Pay from being used on your phone and it's very easy for the bank to tell exactly what um, what numbers being used where, So they can stop it from being used on certain for certain payments if okay. that's necessary.
1: <coughs> so let's take it um, step by step if you, if you like. So you download an app onto your phone that's your wallet effectively. It's, it's
4: part of the iOS system already. When you have the latest version of Apple's operating system on your phone you have... Um, the Apple Wallet, and basically Apple Pay is part of that. So you need, one, basically you need something that has NFC in it, so you'll need one of the newer iPhones, so anything from near the near-field near communications, communications, yeah, which is basically it's just a wireless technology. So you will need uh, to have an iPhone 6 um, and above, or an iPhone SE, or an Apple Watch to use this, because the iPhone 5, any of those previous to that, they don't actually have that technology built in. And all the data is stored on what's called a secure element, which is a chip inside the phone that nobody else has access to, not even Apple. So all of your payment details are stored there. If somebody messes with that chip, um, th- there's security things to lock that out. Or somebody tries to mess with that chip, there's security things to okay. lock it out.
1: And um, maybe you can take us through the, the next steps, if you like. You've downloaded the app, uh, you've got your Apple Wallet set up. Now it's about transferring money into that Apple Wallet, presumably from your also bank account.
2: What you do then, Kiran is you actually take a picture of your debit card or you can manually input it. But when I did it myself, I actually took a picture of my debit card. Um, and then you get a code which authenticates your card that you can then authenticate transactions once off just to get you set up. And then click and go, basically. It is... Touch ID enabled, obviously, so everywhere you go to buy your coffee, to buy your paper, to buy whatever it is you want to do as you're going. It's it's really convenient, really easy, great customer experience.
1: And this is offered by Visa and MasterCard? or Visa
2: and MasterCard are all supportive of the Apple Pay solution,
1: yeah. Right, OK. Now, no offence to Ulster Bank, but AIB and, and Bank of Ireland are the two big banks in this market. Uh, but it's yourselves and KBC who are first out of the blocks, if you like, with, with Apple Pay. How did that happen?
2: Um, clearly, our strategy in Ulster Bank is to be customer-centric and this is really part of that customer-centric innovation. Um, we're trying, you know, being the biggest isn't necessarily always the best. and uh, We're certainly trying to be um, as nimble as possible. And I guess that's what, being part of RBS is is really great Royal for us. Bank of Scotland. Royal Bank of Scotland, obviously, that's our parent company in, in the UK. Um, they launched Apple Pay in 2015 so we're taking um, what what they have experienced over there and applying that to Ireland. So you know we've learned from how they implemented it. We've had a great partnership with Apple over there. We've seen that when customers get I am um, on board with using it, the usage increases um exponentially and over time. Slow slow pick up initially, but you know We've learned from them. We've taken it to Ireland, and we're just delighted to be part of the first banks that launch with Apple Pay here.
1: So, based on RBS's experience, how many customers would you expect to sign up for this? Uh, would also rank in the
2: Republic. It's hard for us to anticipate actual numbers, just because, as uh, as Kira explained, you do need to have an iPhone six, seven, or an Apple Watch. So, I couldn't tell you as part of you know the numbers that I track on, on my customers. Well, let's base.
1: talk about the RBS numbers. How many have they signed
2: up? And um, they have signed up a large portion of their base, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, what they what they did see is actually once Apple launched a new phone, the usage increased because people upgraded their phones. So as Kira explained, iPhone six then went to iPhone seven. That's when we saw a great take up.
1: Right. So you've no sense of how many people might actually sign up to this.
2: Um, We we do have sense. I mean, obviously, we had to put a business case together to Mm. submit it in the true spirit of of how we operate. Um, And so we do have a a sense. But, you know, our expectations are are not really based on numbers per se. They're actually based on giving a great customer experience and being relevant to where those customers who have Apple devices and And where they want us to be.
1: Based on the RBS experience, typically what are people on average uh, spending, uh, you know, with each contactless Transaction via
2: think, Apple Pay. I think what we're seeing is is you know somewhere in and around the ten pounds twelve euro mark. You know it's it's not massive, but mm-hmm. it's that convenient spend, um, and I think that's aligned with uh, the contactless experience as well. Um, what we do know, obviously, is there a li- there is a limit with contactless. There is no limit, as Kira explained on on Apple Pay, but that extra level of security because it is specifically linked to your fingerprint or your PIN code. So if your card was stolen, for example, people can still use your card. If your phone, you know, was stolen, they're not going to take your fingerprints or know your code necessarily. So it's yeah. great for that from that Although perspective. Although I had a
1: discussion with Kira yesterday about this whole fingerprint uh, issue because apparently... Uh, with photographs now, if somebody takes a photograph of your your fingers or your thumbs, they can. Uh, they, there is software out there that can allow them to hack your phone. But anyway, that's probably a conversation for another, <laughs> for another day. Kira, <laughs> um, yes. uh, can you explain why AIB and Bank of Ireland haven't
4: well AIB, adopted
1: this technology yet?
4: AIB has actually signed up for Android Pay. Um, and Android Pay came in a few months ago. So AIB and KBC, that's, a rival where, that's exactly yes. So if you have an Android phone, you can, and you're a customer of AIB or KBC, you can use Android Pay. So they haven't completely, um, they haven't completely ignored the new technology. I find, I suppose, I find it more uh, intriguing that Bank of Ireland hasn't got on board with this at all. Um, the thing is, you can still use Apple Pay if you're not a customer of Ulster Bank or KBC, because there's an app called Boon where you can actually add like a digital prepaid card. Uh, it's an extra step. It's a bit of a, you know, it, it's easy enough bit to awful. do, but it's it's a bit of a pay. I mean, if, if there's a choice between using your own car and then having to load up another kind of digital prepaid card, obviously you're going to go for the easier option. I think, though, as this becomes more popular, I mean, there is still a certain level of um, nervousness about using contactless technology. I think we're, we're traditionally a cash heavy society anyway, but when Android Pay launched, for example, I walked into the local spa and I anywhere, anytime I've used Android Pay or You know, Apple Pay in the last couple days people have looked at me like I have two heads um, like I'm performing some sort of magic trick it's an instant curiosity people behind the counter are crowding to see what I'm doing because I'm trying to pay with a phone so obviously clearly the crazy lady is trying to pay with a a mobile phone instead of a card Um, so there is still like it is still essentially a new technology but when Android Pay launched the questions I was getting was When's, when's Apple Pay going to launch? Because people, since this is launched, this is two years. How mm-hmm. many um,
1: Apple phones that are in the Irish market? Any stats on
4: that? Oh, I don't have those offhand. But um, basically, I think if you're trying to pinpoint how many people will use Apple Pay, you have to look at, first of all, people who have the newer phones. Um, you can use Apple Pay with some of the newer iPads as well, and you can use it on Mac to pay for stuff online. But if you're going to use this in store, you have to have the Apple Watch or one of the newer phones to do it. So, you know, most people are going to probably go down that line. There's a lot of Android phones in the Irish market, but you have to then take out the, I suppose, the chunk of people who aren't going to be using them for payments because a lot of them would be younger users as well. So it's kind of hard to quantify exactly how many yeah. people are going to be using this. But I think that this is the way everything is going. I mean, people want convenience. People want security, Um these technologies offer both because I've had my card skimmed when I was abroad. Um I've had my credit card and my debit well, my, mostly my credit card but one instant with my debit card, um where I had to cancel stuff because you never had a phone been, robbed? I've never had a phone stolen. But if your phone is if your you your um if an Apple phone is stolen, you can basically put it into lost mode and you can wipe it so you can take the, the card details off it. But also they'll still need to actually use it. They will still need your fingerprint or your passcode, neither of which you tend to leave lying around. And I know, as you said, we had that discussion about, you know, high quality cameras and um, people mimicking your fingerprints, but that's going to be a very targeted attack. Um, and
2: I doubt yeah. somebody's going to be after my Apple Pay details for that.
1: Right, OK, Maeve, a lot of people are going to be worried about security, obviously. How secure is this?
2: This is extremely secure as Kira has outlined you need a fingerprint or you need the code. Mm. Um but I think what what we're seeing is customers are looking to um you know especially the younger audience and Ireland is a young population digital savvy um and you know we're really trying to to be there where they want us to be but I'm not I've used it myself. I think it's a great experience. Mm. I'm not concerned about the security um and I, I think it's No
1: a few years ago um Ulster Bank had some awful problems with its systems and the whole uh, thing went down the whole system crashed. People weren't able to access their accounts, uh, etc. So what level of comfort can you give people that that, that won't be a, a factor when it comes to something like this?
2: This is all about Apple Pay and Apple Pay technology. And what effectively we have done is invested in our systems, invested in innovation. Um, and this partnership that we're launching is is supportive of that investment that we've made. So I think that as um, part and parcel of where we want to be in order to be relevant to our customers in the future. And how long before we get to this cashless society that everybody talks about? Well, it's it's in other markets already. So certainly if you look to uh, the Nordics um, and Sweden in particular, they are pretty much cashless. Um, so, but, you know, as we've said, there is a lot of cash still in circulation in Ireland, but the secure element is, you know, retailers don't need to carry as much cash if people are going cashless you don't have to have as much cash on your person um, so it's it it is ultimately going that way but i think we're a long way off cashless in ireland
1: and apple i mean it's a giant company massive company any any sense um that you might be allowing them a foot in the door of financial services that they will wedge open and obliterate uh, banks like yourselves
2: Look, I think banks um, are part of and parcel of functioning society. Um, Apple is a fantastic brand. We're delighted to be in collaboration with them. Um, And I think what we have to do is embrace collaboration and partnerships in the world of open banking and payment services directed to, which comes in in 2018. um, The financial services industry is being disrupted. We want to be part of that disruption.
1: Okay. And finally, Maeve, not to put you on the spot, but um, there are uh, reports this week that Ulster Bank is looking at its branch network and possibly closing up to 30 uh, branches as part of that network. Can you shed any light for us on what's going to happen?
2: Obviously, we investments like Apple Pay are... are, are ensuring that we are relevant to our customer base and we want to be where they are. Wh- where they are. Um, and customers want us to be 24-7. What we're doing in our distribution network is constantly under review um, and there, there's no surprises there. So, um, But this, this is all about just being relevant to the future audience and, and that's where we're making our investment in digital relevant tools that will make a great customer experience.
1: All right, Maeve, Kara, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Ed Sibley, Kira O'Brien and Maeve McMahon for their contributions. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Let me remind you that this podcast is available to download for free from iTunes and you also find it on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times business feed each day on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.